Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Mark. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. My family, my family, good morning. My family, my family, good morning. Man, I love to see y'all. What's up? What's up, Dick? What's going on? Um, to the outside world, he was known as Reggie Jackson. But to the baseball world, he was known as Mr. October. In fact, um, uh, he was given this nickname because uh, whenever he would make it to the postseason playoffs, his, he was seen to shine. He was seen to excel. He was seen to be at his peak. In fact, if you watched baseball in the 70s and 80s, and you would have ever watched Mr. Reggie Jackson approach the home plate, you just knew instinctively that that baseball was going over somebody else's fence. In fact, he would say one time in the interview, he says, uh, I love the postseason. That's when I shine. That's when I met my, my best. Uh, but though Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, loved the postseason, he also understood that to make it to the postseason, you had to play hard during the regular season. Though Reggie Jackson was known for his home run hitting power, he also understood uh, the importance of playing today while looking for tomorrow's game. He understood the importance of being in the present while keeping his eye on the future. Well, Hope Church, there was another who had this unique perspective. Being able to be in the present and yet keep his eye on the future. No, he was not a Hall of Fame baseball player, but he was the savior of the world. His name was Christ Jesus. And today, Christ Jesus steps up to the home plate of Hope Church. And he wants to hit something in our direction. Something that demands our attention for it deals with today and also the future. Christ says, Hope Church, I have something to tell you that demands your attention. And that is my kingdom. I have something that demands your attention. I know you're busy. But there's something that demands your attention, and that is my kingdom. In fact, when we mention the kingdom of God here at Hope Church, this is historically what we have meant. God's sovereign activity in the world resulting in people being in right relationship with him. Simply put, the kingdom of God is God's ruling. God is ruling. He was ruling in the past. He is ruling in the present. And guess what? He shall forever rule in the future. And Christ says, this demands your attention, for it deals with my kingdom. Now, not only that, but Christ has some things today he wants to show us about his kingdom. Not just that it deals with today and also the future, but there's three things today that Christ wants to show us that demands our attention. So as you turn today to to Mark chapter 4, verse 21, uh, let me set the scene for you. We're jumping back into the book of Mark. We took a hiatus. But we're jumping back now into the book of Mark. And last week, Pastor Scott preached on the parable of the sower, how Christ would use a farmer uh, sowing seed over four different types of soil, which was compared to him sharing the gospel over four different types of hearts. The first three hearts did not accept the gospel, but that last heart, Bob, that good soil, it heard the gospel. It accepted the gospel. 
It obeyed the gospel and began to bear fruit. And so today, Christ wants to tell you and I some more parables. Now, to jog your memory, a parable is simply this, a practical story used to teach a spiritual lesson. Well, Pastor Ricky, why would Christ not just teach regular old sermons? Why parables? Where Christ was always surrounded by folks who didn't really want him. They just wanted what he can do for them. Much like the church today. Did you come into service today because you love Jesus? Or did you come in to borrow God's divine debit card? Christ says, I'm teaching parables. Now, here's the cool thing about a parable. It's all based on your heart position. It's all based on where you're standing. For those of us who don't believe in Christ, a parable was considered, uh, you were considered an outsider. So it was like um, standing outside a cathedral and staring at the stained glass window. And that stained glass window from the outside looked gray and dull and bleak. But for those of us who place our faith in Christ Jesus, Christ invites us inside the church. And he says, look now at that same stained glass window from this vantage point. And from this vantage point, that stained glass window is lively and bright and full of life. Why? Because it's all based on where you're standing. It's all based on your heart position. For those who do not believe in Jesus, his parables made no sense. But to those of us who love God, Christ says, let me tell you what I'm really trying to say. And now that we understand that, Christ says, let me tell you about my kingdom through some parables. And the first point we shall see is that the kingdom of God is revealed. All right, turn to me to Matthew, I mean, I'm sorry, Mark 4, verse 21 through 25. It says this, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Christ starts off this parable in an interesting way. He starts off with a question. He says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or to be hid under a bed and not on a stand? In fact, the NIV would say it this way. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? Now, to appreciate this, um, every household in Christ's day had a lamp. All right. It was essential. Now, this is not your mama's lamp in the corner. All right. In fact, this lamp looked much like this. It was simply a clay bowl with a, with a spout for a wick and a few small spots for some oil. Now, as Christ was asked this question, the crowd around him would have simply said no. They understood that the purpose of bringing in a lamp was to not hide it. It was not to smother it. The purpose of bringing in a lamp was that it can be, it can be shown. They would have understood that if you hide a lamp, that defeats the purpose of bringing it in. And this is where it pays to be an insider. Because you might miss what Christ is trying to say. Christ is just not talking about any old lamp. He's talking about the lamp. Well, Ricky, what is this lamp? But the question is, who is this lamp? This lamp is altogether different. This light is altogether unique. Now, this blows my mind, Pastor Trenton. Uh, back in Genesis chapter 1, on the first day, God said, let there be light. 
and light came running 186,000 miles per second. And then on day four, God said, let there be sun and put the sun down in the sky. Now, what boggles my mind is, how can you have light and the sun shows up three days later? It's because light does not come from the sun, S-U-N, but light comes from the sun, S-O-N. And this is the light of the world in which Christ himself is talking about. In fact, in John 8, Christ would say it this way. Again, speaking to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 12 will say it this way. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Christ says, I am the light of the world. Now, verse 22, he shows us the answer to this rhetorical question. In verse 22, he says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. In so many words, Christ says, I came not to be hidden. I left heaven to come down to earth, not for you to put me in your back seat. I came to be revealed. I did not come to earth to, have to hopefully fit in your agenda. I came to be shown. Um, and this is interesting to me. Um, the proclamation of the gospel is like bringing a lamp into a dark room. Christ says, the proclamation of me coming is bringing a light into a dark world. Now, I don't have to tell you how dark our world is. Folks love sin more than they love righteousness. Folks love lies more than they love the truth. I don't have to tell you that our world, our city, our state, our country is dark. And sometimes it feels as if the darkness is winning. But hear the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He would say, only when it's darkest can you see the stars. Meaning, it's now the time that the world needs to see Christians living out the gospel. It is now the time when the world needs to see believers living out their faith. Christ says, I came not to be hidden, but to be shown. In fact, in John 1.5, he would say it this way. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is not, no, this is not any ordinary light. This is the light of the world. Now, the question is, Ricky, how do I show this light? It's by the way you live. Where you work, where you eat, where you play. It's by the way you live. In fact, some of us thought that you got that job because of your degree. You didn't. You got that job to be a light to your coworkers. Some of us think that you got that house because your credit score. <laughs> you didn't. You got that house to be a light pack to your neighbors. This is why Christ says, I came to be shown. But not only by the way you live, but by you opening your mouth and sharing your faith. By telling the world about this God who left heaven to come down to earth to carry my sins that I may be made free. Now, I was told of something that jogged my memory. I was told that a solar eclipse is when the moon gets in the way of the sun shining towards the earth. It blocks the sun's rays. But I was then reminded by some friends of mine, uh, Cole and uh, Brittany Penny, that there's a such thing called a Christian eclipse. That's when Christians choose to live in disobedience, choose not to read their Bible, 
Choose not to come to church. Choose to be stubborn. And by doing that, they block the light of Christ because they are choosing to live in disobedience. This is not what we are called to do. We are called to live in such a way that we display the love and light of Jesus Christ. Y- y'all good? Because y'all are really... All right. Um, and in verse 23, Christ says, he who has ears, let him hear. I find that funny. Because these folks, they came from miles around to hear Jesus, so I'm pretty sure they brought their ears. In fact, if you have two ears, raise your hand. Some of y'all are like, I-, I lost one in 86. I don't know. The hearing was coming out. But Christ is saying, though you can hear me audibly, that does not mean you understand me spiritually. It means to receive God's truth in your inner person, in your heart. And the truth you receive, you submit your life to it. It simply means Christ says, I am the light of the world. I did not come to be hidden, but to be shown. Receive this truth in your heart and submit to what you are hearing. In verse 24, Christ says, pay attention. I love that. Pay attention. It's the Greek word blepo. It it means to to look with intent. It means to know who you are looking at. Christ says, I am the light of God. I came not to be hidden, but to be shown. I came to be revealed. Know who you are looking at and submit to what you are hearing. Hope Church, do you hear me? Hope Church, do you hear me? Verse 24, Christ will continue to say, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. Um, Christ here talks about those of us who love him, Bob and Kat, who who love him, who who read their Bibles, who, who, who pursue him. Christ says, the more you pursue me, the more I'll show you more of who I am. The more you love me, the more understanding I'll give you. In fact, Tony Evans would say it this way. He would say, to the degree that you welcome in the word of life, the word in your life, you will bear fruit. The believers, uh, I'm sorry, the more believers accept God's kingdom agenda, the more fruitfulness God will entrust to them. But disobedience brings spiritual barrenness. Christ says, those of you who love my truth, I will give you more truth. But verse 25, Christ ends it by saying, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. He says, but for those of you who do not love my truth, who care less about my gospel, whatever you did know about me, I'll take that away. Christ makes no bones about it. I came not to be hidden, but to be shown. Um, In 1925, a man named Edward Ivins would write down a small phrase in his journal. That small phrase would turn into a, a song. And in 1934, that song uh, will be recorded in a unique place by a unique person. It will be recorded by a man named Jim Birds. Jim Birds Birds uh, happened to uh, be be in jail for a stint in Texas in 1934. Now, behind closed bars, Jim Bird will record a song that you and I will come to know. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I find that funny. A man in prison behind bars, was still determined to make sure that he talked about Jesus. And those of us who are free, who are not behind bars, 
are somehow spiritual uh, prison because we don't talk about him. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> a man was behind bars and talked about loving Jesus. And those of us who are free, who are free, who are free, don't barely ever talk about him. Christ says, I came. This is why I came. I came to be revealed, to be shown, not to be hidden. Amen? Amen. Christ says, I came to be revealed, which brings us now to our next point. And as my kingdom is revealed, now my kingdom shall be shared. Pick me up. Verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, and once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has now come. This parable is unique because it's only found in the Gospel of Mark, no place else. And Mark seems to borrow from the parable of the sower. It talks about the kingdom being like a seed. But the parable of the sower was all about four different types of soils. But this parable is all about um, the unique uh, stuff of nature, how nature simply grows. Christ says, my kingdom is like a man planted a seed, went about his life. And that seed began to grow so much so that it produced a harvest. This is where it pays to be an insider. So you can miss what Christ is saying. Christ is saying, this is much like my kingdom. It starts off small. You go about your business, and yet it grows. My kingdom starts off small. And though you don't realize it, it's continuing to grow. In verse 28, uh, it says it grows by itself. It's the Greek idea of something being automatic. It happens by itself. No human effort, no human help. Christ says, my kingdom is simply planted, and you go about your day, and it continues to grow. And guess what? You don't know how. Much like we don't know how plants and things of those natures grow. Now, do me a favor. Um, if you are a gardener, you got a green thumb, raise your hand. Carly, raise your hand. All right, all right, don't, don't be ashamed. Now, what do you really do? <laughs> because um, plants only need three things, air, water, and sun. And you don't own any of those. <laughs> I'll keep going, man. <laughs> Let, I, can explain the God, I can explain this parable in four words. Sowing, sleeping, growing, and reaping. What do you think out of these four? Which one do you think is our role? Not sleeping. Y'all stay awake. <laughs> it's sowing. Sowing is sharing our faith. It's sharing the gospel. That's our role. Christ does everything else, and we do not know how. Our one role in the kingdom is to simply plant the seed and share our faith. Now, when I say share our faith, I know some of you right now who are close to me, um, you're having a hard time with that. So, Pastor Ricky, I've shared my faith with my family, with my siblings, with my neighbors, and I just keep hitting the brick wall. 
let this parable encourage you. You have no idea how God will use your small words and your small actions to draw someone to himself. You have no idea, Ms. Mona, how God will use your small words and your small actions to draw someone to himself. One day you're sharing the gospel and you leave and do your own thing. And God begins to work in that person's heart so much so that he draws them to himself. In fact, that's how we all got up in here. Someone shared the gospel with us. It began to work in our heart. And at that time and at that place and at that moment, we took it. And God began to work in our hearts so much so that we're sitting in church today. Do not give up sharing your faith. In fact, I'll say it this way. This way makes it makes more sense. It, it simply means this. The success of the Christian message does not depend on human effort, but by the power of God. First Corinthians 3, Paul would say, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. We have to stop trying to see our fruit now. That's not your role. Your role is to share your faith. But also this parable should give us a slice of humble pie. What do you mean, Pastor Ricky? Well, the farmer sows the seed, goes about his day, and it grows. Some of us in here think that uh, unless, we're, unless we're in the ministry, unless we're leading it, it somehow can't run. Sorry. Parable says different. Some of us think that if, unless I show up, unless I'm in charge, there's no way that this ministry can run. And the parable says, sorry, it grows, it grows, it grows because God gives the increase. I'll say it this way. If you think you're that important, just mess around and die. <laughs> if you think you're that important, just mess around and die. The church might grow. The choir might sing better. The offering may go up. It's because God buries his ministers. He does not bury his ministry. God does not need you or me. But guess what? He wants us. He does not need us, but he wants us. But also, some of you in here who don't take sharing your faith serious, you say, well, Pastor Ricky, the text says that it's going to grow anyway, so why should I share? Well, if it's going to grow and it's going to always come back and do exactly what it's supposed to do, you should share more. If there's going to be a return on this product, it should give you more faith to share more. Because God's word does not come back void. If you knew that whatever God says will happen, why don't we share more? And some of us in here, and I mean this, and I'm not trying to be rude here, but when I talk about sharing our faith, I'm not talking about putting a bumper sticker on your car and calling that evangelism. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not knocking that. But putting a sticker on your car does not equate to telling someone about Jesus. Let me say it this way. After the gospel is presented... The word of God works in the individual's heart, sometimes slowly, sometimes slowly, sometimes slowly. 
until the time when God reaps the harvest in that person and saves them. The purpose of this parable is the assurance of the harvest. That whenever God's word is planted, it does not come back void. And because of that, Gloria, we should share more. Amen? Amen. All right, y'all are quiet in here. All right, all right. So God's word, so I'm sorry, God's kingdom is revealed. And now that it's revealed, Christ says, my kingdom is now to be shared. But now it's as if Christ says, and as you share it, watch how powerful it is. Pick me up, Mark 4, verse 30. It says this, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air make nests in its shade. Um, Christ starts again off this parable by a question. He says, uh, what shall I compare my kingdom to? Now, if this is me, I'm trying to show you how powerful my kingdom is. I might say, uh, my kingdom is like an oak tree. It's strong, it's powerful, it's mighty. Or if I was to say, uh, Hope Church, I want to start my own basketball team, and I want this team to destroy the league. And you said, well, Pastor Ricky, what's your mascot going to be? And I said, Miss Pam, my mascot's going to be the mighty butterflies. <laughs> like, you're joking, right? A butterfly does not equate to strength. And Christ says, uh, what can I compare my mighty kingdom to? Oh, I got it. A seed. And not just any seed, a mustard seed. I actually have a mustard seed right now in my hand. You can't see it. If I dropped it on the ground, you couldn't even see it. But a mustard seed, in ancient Palestine, whenever they wanted to communicate something being itty, bitty, 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 they would say a mustard seed. Matthew 17 would say, if you have faith as tiny as a But the cool part about the mustard seed is, it grows up to 15 feet high as a plant. In fact, it is one of the largest shrubs or plants in the Near East. And Christ says it pays to be an insider right now. Because this is much like my kingdom. This mustard seed starts off small. Itty bitty 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 bitty. But then it grows up so much so 15 feet high that now birds can nest in its branches. Christ says... This seed here, which you can barely see, is super small, but give it time. And the more time you give it, the larger and larger it shall grow. Christ says, this is a lot like my kingdom. Starts off small. It seems insignificant. It seems obscure. But you give it time. It will grow into the largest of all kingdoms. Christ says, this is a lot like my kingdom. Starts off small, irrelevant. To the outside world, it seems as if we're losing. But Christ says, just give it time. And it shall be the largest of all kingdoms. The purpose of this parable is the contrast between the beginning and the end. The beginning is, it starts off small, insignificant, obscure. But you give it time. And when God cracks the sky, there will be no kingdom larger than ours. 
I find it interesting, man, um, how God will say this. In fact, I'll say it this way. God's reign will not only be more real than the world could imagine, but will also be large and all the more encompassing. I'll say it this way. You have no idea how God will use your small words and your small actions and pull out an entire kingdom. God will take your small words, your small gestures of loving someone and praying for them, and from that, pull out an entire kingdom. You do realize that God does not need pizzazz to grow his kingdom. Not flash, not entertainment. In fact, God grows his kingdom by five simple words. Jesus lived, died, and rose. You didn't get that. I'll try to get this out. He uses five small words. Jesus lived, died, and rose. And that's how he grows his kingdom. And I know in a city like Las Vegas, it might seem like our Christian faith is obscure. It's small. That we're losing. But let this parable encourage you. God says, my kingdom might seem small, but you give it time, and it shall be the greatest of all kingdoms. But you don't believe me. I know you don't. I know you don't. <laughs> um, we'll go to the Old Testament. Old Testament, Genesis chapter 12. God says, Abram, oh, Abram, I'm going to take you. And change your name to Abraham and make from you a nation so large it will resemble the stars in the sky. Small to great. But you don't believe me. I keep going. Um, New Testament. Twelve stinky, raggedy men. <laughs> I'm going to give you a simple message. I lived. I died, and I rose. And from those 12 raggedy, stinky men, the gospel will come from the Middle East, then to Africa, then to Europe, and all the way around to us. Small to great. But you still don't believe me, do you? Oh, that's okay. That's all right. Let's go to a place called Las Vegas. 2001. God will call 18 people. In the living room, 18 people in a small living room, and he would plant that seed of the gospel message, and that seed would fall on good soil. And now, 22 years later, I am looking at Hope Church. But also, let this be an encouragement to those of you who are missionaries, both urban in our city and global. Some of you in here right now, you go to places in our city that most of us wouldn't even dare to drive down. And it seems as if you're losing, that your ministry is not working. But be assured, let this parable encourage you. 
God is working. His kingdom will forever grow. Do not give up. Got some friends of mine who are, who, are, who are leaving the country and moving across the world to a place where the gospel is itty, bitty, bitty, bitty. And they're going to have some days in which they feel as if their labor is in vain. But let me encourage you and let me encourage them that God is working. His kingdom shall forever grow. Do not give up. Do not grow weary. God's kingdom shall grow. Let me say it this way. The earthly ministry of Jesus seemed insignificant to the watching world. And yet from it grew a mighty worldwide church, which is still growing. Christ ends this parable in Mark 4, 33, by saying this. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Christ knew that the ones who were around him, even though they wouldn't understand him, they didn't love him, he, he found himself continuing to share. Even though Christ knew that these folks around him would not hear him, they did not want to accept his word. Because he's a savior of the world, he will continue to share the gospel. Why? Because he wanted them to get it. He wanted to take outsiders and make them insiders. And here's my question. Are we like that? And even though folks don't want to hear us, don't want to admit to the gospel message, do we simply quit? Or do we love them so much that we continue to share the gospel message? Hear me. Pay attention because the way you listen will determine your eternity. The way you listen now will determine the rest of your days. Christ says, listen to what I'm saying. Me and Rosie, we have two kids. She's a better parent. Amen. <laughs> um, but my son, oh, not my son, our son, Tripp, um, Every day I take him to school. I say, son, love you. Proud of you. Can't believe God gave you to me. Son, do you hear me? Son, love you. Proud of you. Can't believe God gave you to me. Son, do you hear me? Son, love you, proud of you. Can't believe God gave you to me. Trip, do you hear me? One day he turned his head and looked directly at me as if he understood. He looked at me and said, he looked at me and went,
Okay, well, here we go. But do you think that stopped me from saying, son, love you, proud of you. Can't believe God gave you to me. Why? Because I wanted him to understand my love for him. So many of us right now have been running from Jesus. He's been chasing you down. He's saying, son and daughter, I've been trying to show you I love you. I've been trying to tell you that I'm the savior of the world, that no one comes to salvation but through me. And with our lifestyle, we've said, God says, my heart is to take outside and make them insiders. Do you hear me? God says, my kingdom is revealed. And now that it's shown, we're called to share it. And as you share it, watch how powerful Father, I pray that this word fell on good soil. I pray that someone who who did not know you will come to you right now because they are tired of being outsiders and they want the love and grace of Jesus Christ in their life. So, Lord, this is our prayer. Help us to prioritize your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. If you don't know Jesus... Last week, Pastor Scott begged you to come to him. And this week, he's tagged me in. And I am begging you to come to him. For there is no one like this Jesus, that he left heaven to come down to earth to put on your sin and your shame and your mistakes for free. And that by placing your faith in him, you can have eternal life. Jesus says... I came to make outsiders, insiders. Do you hear me? Man, my heart breaks because you don't know this Jesus. And he says, even though you are choosing not to hear me because I love you so much, I keep sharing and keep sharing and keep sharing. How long will you sit in church? How long will you hear the gospel and simply choose to turn a blind eye to it? It's coming a day when Christ says, you have heard enough. It is too late. But guess what? That day is not today. Come to him. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was an outsider. I was blind. But now I see. Would you let God make you an insider? For those of us who are Christians, you say, Pastor Ricky, I'll be honest. I I have not prioritized God's kingdom. I'm not sharing my faith. I'm 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 not sharing Jesus. In fact, I'm keeping him a secret. 
Can I just encourage you? Don't hide your Savior. Don't hide your Savior. He came to be shown. He came to be seen. So as our pastors come, if you are a believer, you are a Jesus follower, and you realize, Lord, I have just, I have not prioritized your kingdom. Would you come down here and let us pray for you? Because there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There is grace, there is grace, and there is more grace. But for those of you who, who do not know Jesus, we would love to introduce you to the Savior of the world. There is no one like him. How long will you stand outside when he's inviting you inside? So let's stand. And as the music plays, God is calling and tugging your heart to come down to pray, to come down to accept Christ Jesus. We are here. So as the music plays, that is our time to respond. One last thing to tell you. Christ says, he who has ears, let him.